So we began to look at this uh, great chapter last Sunday night. And <clears throat> let's see, we left off with um, basically covering down through verse 9. So this evening we're going to pick up there with verses 8 and 9. I want to read down again through verse uh, 13. Um, actually back up to verse 2. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, same thing that you tell Pharaoh, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into a land which I swear, I swore rather to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. Again, I am the Lord. So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in and tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> when you look at verses 2 uh, through uh, 12, basically there are uh, five I will statements. There's a confirmation here of the covenants that uh, the Lord made with Abraham. Now, we're, this is prior to the giving of the Mosaic Law to Moses or the Mosaic Covenant. So this is a reiteration, uh, a fresh and a new through Moses to uh, the Hebrew children. Um, turn with me briefly to Isaiah chapter 14. I think we've looked at this passage uh, a couple of times, but I want let, to, let's contrast what, it, what takes place in Isaiah chapter 14. We talked about Isaiah briefly this morning, his ministry to uh, King Hezekiah. And so in Isaiah 14, we have what we, uh, what most um, theologians believe to be the, uh, the fall of Lucifer. And you will notice that there are five I will statements here in this passage. Um, <coughs> Look at verse 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farther sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. El Elyon. By the way, I taught this is found in, in chapter 7, also in verse 3, but that, that title for God, El Elyon, is the strongest strong one. 
it is it speaks to the omnipotence of God. You will notice that Lucifer did not select the covenant God name. He didn't uh, select the shepherd God name or any of the other uh, the, uh, names for God in the Old Testament. He, he selected the most powerful name for God that is found in the scriptures. So there's a great contrast here between what the Lord, what Yahweh promised to the Hebrew children and the fact uh, of what we see here in Isaiah 14, what basically Lucifer promised himself. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And this, um, unfortunately, is, is very human-like. This is not God-like. This is human-like. And sometimes we uh, arrogate ourselves uh, to this point. We hope and pray that doesn't occur, but we see this here in the uh, life of Lucifer. So let's go back now to Exodus chapter 6. <clears throat> in verse 8, God then again reiterates to Moses, he said, I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to the patriarchs. So the redemption he talks about previous to this uh, is going to be followed or going to take place from the deliverance and he's going to deliver a people that at least these generations, uh, the generations of the people here that are Hebrews have never known freedom. So as we go through these sort of these early and middle chapters of the book of Exodus, remember that these folks had never known freedom. They're not like you and I. So there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of adaptation. There's a, a tremendous amount of transition that's going to take place within the, this tribe of people. There's a million to two million folks that leave um, Egypt. John Trapp, who was a Baptist theologian, wrote that uh, the Lord was going to bring them a great deliverance but nothing to that which Christ had wrought for us from the tyranny of sin and the terror of hell. So God is a deliverer. In fact, the word salvation or the words uh, saved, sozo, means to be delivered. That's one of the things that God does for us. He delivers us from the tyranny of our own sin and obviously the terror of hell. So what God begins back in verse 2 when he talks about I am the Lord, he continues that through this particular passage. And this is for Moses' sake as much as anything else. He is strengthening Moses' resolve because you notice in verse 10, uh, verse 11 rather, he says, go back, tell Pharaoh that you're to let the children of Israel go. And of course Moses still is, he's, uh, he's discouraged because of the Hebrew children. We see that in verse Nine, we will see it as we continue through these early chapters here. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't heed Moses. So now, if you go back and you look at uh, <coughs> chapter 5, it says that the people had, had uh, committed themselves, or the end of chapter 4 rather, they had committed themselves to the Lord, and they were prepared to worship, and now because Pharaoh increased their suffering, things begin to fall apart. 
again, very human-like. This is, this is the way that, that human beings are. Uh, and we see this played again. These folks had never known freedom. So they know that on the other side, when they leave, something is going to happen to them that heretofore had not happened in their lives. So there's a great deal of discouragement, a great deal of unanswered questions that's taking place here in um, chapter 6. They doubted Moses. And in doubting Moses, they doubt God. Moses is God's messenger. In doubting him, they doubt God. And being suspicious, remember a few weeks ago we talked about one of the elements of sin is suspicion. In being suspicious of Moses, they're suspicious of God. So this plays out here again in this. Um, and it, they are anguished in spirit. Pharaoh had, uh, uh, had increased their suffering and their, uh, their attitude of being slaves is not cha has not changed. They are still thinking like slaves. They're not thinking like a free people. Uh, and they see Pharaoh as larger than God. And we do that, don't we, sometimes? We see obstacles in life as larger than God. Many of us, as we read these first few chapters of the book of Exodus, we, we have similar experiences now, not as grandiose, perhaps, as what Moses is seeing here, but we have our own struggles. And being believers, we want to trust the Lord, but we struggle with that. And we struggle with that because of unbelief, lack of faith and unbelief. The disciples did the same thing. And Jesus constantly reminded them, you are men of little faith. So we see this play out here among the, uh, the hordes of the, the Hebrews. Uh, Israel needed their minds renewed. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 12, remember? Um, he reminded the Roman people, you've, you've learned all these great doctrines. Now, how do you apply those doctrines? Well, you let the doctrines seep into your minds and change you. Uh, and that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2, what he's speaking to. Um, let's go to Ezekiel 20. We had the privilege of, as a Sunday school class, of... Uh, <clears throat> studying the book of Ezekiel. We now have the privilege of studying the book of Philippians. But a uh, great study, one of the great uh, the major prophets there in the Old Testament. Uh, Ezekiel, and I'm not going to read this entire chapter, but this basically is uh, Ezekiel, or the Lord rather recalling all the rebellions of Israel and reminding them that they continue to rebel. Uh, verse 1 there, it says in chapter 20, it came to pass in the seventh year, fifth month, tenth day of that month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and set before me. And 
So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to the elders, elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, have you come to inquire of me? You're going to ask me questions because you're dissatisfied with why you are in captivity? And as I live, says the Lord, I will not be inquired of you. Uh, will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. And then what follows here in chapter 20 is a reiteration of years of rebellion and a reminder that the reason that you are in captivity in Babylon are the years of rebellion. And what I promised you back in the book of Exodus, that if you followed my words, I would bless you. But if you didn't, then I would pour out my indignation to the fourth generation. And we see that play out here, verse 6, on that day I raised my hand in, oath, in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, Each of you throw away the abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourself with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Well, we find out later on in Exodus and uh, in, Deuteronomy, in Numbers and Deuteronomy that some of the Hebrew people had taken the the little household gods that we've been talking about, and they packed them away in the saddles of the burdens of beasts that they took with them out of Egypt. Well, just, again, suspicious of God. Just in case something happens, I got my little idols here. And so the Lord reminds them of that. Um, and we notice what he says, I am the Lord your God. The same statement that he makes back in Exodus 6. In verse uh, 9 says, but they rebelled against me. Uh, excuse me, verse 8 rather. But, uh, and would not obey me. They didn't get away from the abominations that were before their eyes. They didn't forsake the idols of Egypt. And God said, I acted, verse 9, in my name's sake, that I should not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this is several hundred years uh, after the Exodus. And so through a prophet, God is speaking through a prophet to the Hebrew people in Exodus. Moses, and he's speaking through a prophet, Ezekiel, to the elders that are in captivity or to the Hebrew people. And this, this goes, as I said, it goes on through um, chapter, uh, chapter 20. Um, and let's see, drop down to verse 31. For when you offer your gifts and make your sons pass through the fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols, even to this day. So shall I be inquired of you by you, O house of Israel, as I live, says the Lord God. I will not be inquired of by you. These, this is a, a sad statement, but it is consistent with the holiness of God. You've promoted yourself. You're in captivity. You guys have forgotten why you're in captivity. Um, 
Next Sunday morning we're going to look at a passage from Jeremiah that is similar to this, somewhat different, but similar. Verse 32, what you have in your mind shall never be. When you say we will be like the Gentiles, like the families in other countries serving wood and stone. And he says this is not going to uh, play out for you. Verse 35, I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples and there I will plead my case with you face to face. And, of course, consistent with God, he says here that uh, I will be hallowed before you in verse 41 as I am before the Gentiles. There you shall remember your ways, all your doings, verse 43, with which you have defiled. You shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all the evils that you've committed. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have dealt with you according to my namesake. Now, this plays out, obviously. And by the time of the, their return to Jerusalem, the Lord cured them or, or cured most of them from idolatry. They then became very self-righteous, which is typical of, uh, of uh, not having a, a, a changed heart and soul. They go from one extreme to the other. So what we see here, this plays out in, in, uh, in uh, chapter 20 of uh, the book of Ezekiel. You can go back now to uh, Exodus chapter 6. <clears throat> Ezekiel explained that they trusted the gods of their oppressors, and that's what the Hebrews are doing here in Exodus. They're trusting the, Hebrew, uh, the Egyptian gods. Um, and that's a sad, sad litany about um, the Hebrew people. Verse 12 of chapter 6, Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me, how then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? So he exposes, go back to look at chapter 4. What did, what did Moses tell the Lord? Chapter 4, basically, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there, just like Jonah. Uh, verse 10, Moses said, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before you. Uh, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. We went to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and there we are told in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses was a very eloquent man. So there's a contradiction of terms here. And again, be careful with uh, what we tell the Lord. He has a way of flipping the tails, on, uh, flipping the, uh, uh, the image on us. So in verse 13 of chapter 6 the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt so none of this complaining none of the whining none of their discouragement changed the purposes changed the purpose of God we can apply that to our lives if the Lord has called us to a particular task, if he has gifted us in this area, and he enables us to follow through with that, none of our whining, none of our discouragement, none of our misery is going to change God's purpose. The Lord is trying 
with his spirit to develop men and women. And we will see that play out here in, um, in the book of Exodus. The Lord spoke. He wanted persistence and obedience. He didn't want the Hebrew people to look at Pharaoh or themselves. He wanted them to look at himself, to Yahweh and God alone. Let's see. I had something here that I wanted to go over. It must be on the previous slide here. One of these slides. Oh. That is interesting because I thought I had put a note in here. Let's go back here. Maybe not. I'll find it and I'll pick up on it next Sunday night. The note has to do, look if you would, um, at verse 4. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. Remember this. We looked at Hebrews 11. There it says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were aliens. They were pilgrims. They were strangers in the land of Canaan because the covenant had not been fulfilled. Now, after 400 years, the Lord is going to lead his chosen people, and he, he speaks to that. He's going to lead his chosen people from Egypt to the rightful inheritance in the land of Canaan. It wasn't rightfully, it wasn't ripe for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the book of Genesis. It is now. So the space of time, again, comes back to we, uh, God being patient with us and we being patient with God. So he talks about strangers, and I wanted to see, and I thought I had notes. We, don't, we won't have the time to look at it tonight. Uh, let's see. That's chapter 7. So <clears throat> that um, many, many times when the Hebrew people get to the land of Canaan, God tells them repeatedly, you take the stranger in, for you were strangers in a foreign land. So I want to look at that. I thought I had it in these. I'm pretty sure I had it in some notes, but maybe I passed by this. Anyway, we'll pick up on that Sunday night, this uh, next Sunday night. Any comments or questions this evening? <clears throat> verses 14, interestingly enough, in verses 14 through 27, you have a pause, and there is the first genealogy since the book of Genesis. And this is the specific genealogy of Moses and his family. So 
God reiterates the choice of Moses in being the leaders of the Hebrew people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to close out a Lord's Day in looking at your word. Guide us, protect us, provide for us, bring us safely back into your uh, house on the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. God bless you.